Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. And as you turn there, if you can maybe help announce uh, to your neighbor in his will. Some of y'all need to wake somebody up next to you because I didn't hear a whole lot of people. Just you can uh, make sure somebody's up next to you to tell them, say, in his will. All right, there you go. You can talk back to the past. That's all right. I won't get mad at you. In his will. Now, I, I want to make a correction here. Uh, not necessarily a correction, but for you to understand what I'm going to be dealing with. I'm playing on the word here. In his will is W-H-E-E-L. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to think about that for a moment. Y'all catch on in a minute. Y'all catch on in a minute. In his will, W-H-E-E-L, will. Yeah, yeah, you'll catch on in a minute. You'll see. You'll see. If you turn with me to Jeremiah 18 chapter, you might see what I'm talking about. I'm playing on some words here, if you will. I'm reading from New American Standard Translation. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. If you have it, say amen. amen. If you don't have it, say hold on. Let us journey together. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel as it pleased a potter to make. When the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord, Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. Or at another moment, I might speak concerning a, con, con, speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight. By not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good which I had promised to bless it. So now then, speak to the men of Judah against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. Oh, turn back each of you from his evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. But they will say it is hopeless for we are going to follow our own plans and each of us will act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Uh, I want to read verse 3 one more time. It says, Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something on the wheel. If you now can announce it with authority now to your neighbor saying, in his will. I think y'all with me now. <laughs> in his will. If you're in his will, you're in his hand. But if you're not in the will, then you're not in his hands. Can I stick a pen in there for a moment? 
I'm going to get back to the text, but we say it very exciting, right? Who can separate me from the love of God? With my sanctified imagination, when I quote that scripture, I think about God holding me in his hand. And so I get excited. So who can pluck me out of his hand? Not no one, because only he has the power. And he has what? All power. And so when I think about being in his hands, that means I'm covered, uh, I'm protected, I'm provided for, I'm able to be blessed and not cursed. And I really get excited because when the enemy comes after me, I can stand and he will have to flee. Do I have a witness here this morning that understands that when I'm in his will, I'm in his hand. Tell your neighbors, get in his hand. And so the process of getting into his hand, you first need to get on the wheel. Clay, before it gets on the wheel, is first just dirt. Y'all don't hear me. It's just under people's feet. It's worth nothing, but they dig it up, and then they add a little water to it. And then it says, huh, this stuff is pliable. I think we can use this. And then once they get this clay structure and the water mixed up, then they place it on the wheel. Once it gets on the wheel, then it's thrown. Y'all missed that. Then it's thrown. What it means to be thrown means that it is placed on the wheel. It's two wheels. One large wheel planted into the ground, a smaller wheel on top. And they put the clay and start pumping up on the pedal to spin the wheel. And the clay is thrown apart. The clay is thrown apart. It's not moving at a snail pace, but at a fast pace. And sometimes in our lives, when we get on the wheel, things sometimes just be moving too fast for us. We can't control what, what form we're going to be in. But if you're in the master's hand, he's able to shape you. And form you in the midst of your confusion. Come on, somebody. He is involved in your formation. Look at verse 6. It says, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in whose hands? My hand, O house of of Israel, which suggests here that if you are in his hands, then he can form you and mold you into what he wants you to be. But look here, before he was revealed to this, look what he observed when he went to the potter's house. He said he observed some clay, he observed the potter, and he realized that the clay sometimes was marred, that it was corrupted, that it was not in proper shape, and now how the potter had to rework it in order to make it usable. Y'all see that? It's pointing out here that sometimes the clay that he puts on the wheel may not be easy to work with. Is that somebody in this house today? And that you know for yourself that once you got on the master's wheel, you know you for yourself you are easy to work with. He was trying to form you to something very special, but there was some corruption up in there. He said, maybe you're not good enough to be there yet, so I let me rework this. But the point is this. He points out that the master did not give up on the clay. It just said he reworked it. Aren't you glad that, that when you reach your limitations, God realized I can still use you. Mm. 
That's why you have to be, tell your neighbor, in his hands. See, when you're in his hands, you're subjected to be impressionable that he can impress upon you his will. Philippians tells us this, that God is able to complete the good work that he has begun in us until the coming of Jesus Christ. Which points out that while you're still in the land of the living, God is still going to be working out his will in your life. The subjection comes to place where you be subjected to allow God work in you so he can work his will out of you. Do you get that? That, that? that God is trying to fix you. He realized how evil has maybe marred your life and the sin within your own self has marred your life. But God says that will not stop me from working it out of you. That's what, the, that's what the man's doing as he's forming the clay. He, gets, he just gets the dirt, and then he got to get the impurities out so the clay can be something usable, something formable, so it can be done for a greater purpose. Look what God can do. He says, can I not build you up for good? And can I not tear you down and destroy you? I, I want you to look what he's pointing out here. Look at verses 7 through 8. He says, at one moment I might... Speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot and pull down or to destroy it. But look at verse 8. It says, if that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will what? Relent or repent of the calamity concerning. Look at this closely here. God is saying that I see a kingdom that I'm speaking against. I'm willing to destroy. But if they repent, come on, somebody. That all got somebody excited. But if they repent, I will withhold the judgment I have for them, and then I will bless them. Y'all catch that? I want you to really grab here that, that, that the world has set us up. The world has set us up that we think we can do what we want. The world has set us up that we think the money's ours. The world's ours. I have my rights. I get what I want and do it how I want because I have the right. And the problem is, just because we have the right does not make it right. We get caught up that we get so filled of ourselves because of the authority that we do have, we end up abusing the authority. How's the saying go that a person in power is corrupt, but absolute power corrupts absolutely? So once you have the power and the authority, it's amazing how you might check your own character, find out that I'm not as good as I thought I was. And God says, I'm giving you opportunities because I know your wickedness. I know your issues. But if you repent, I will change the, the punishment and give you a blessing. That's why we should be confident that we find on the first John that if we confess, it says that God is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Uh, what I'm trying to point out is that some of us are headed to self-destruction. We are killing ourselves. We are hurting ourselves. But God says, but if you change from your wicked ways, then I will be able to bless you. But if you want to stay going down that road, then you won't be able to sing my good days outweigh my bad days. You won't be able to say I had some hills to climb, but I want to say thank you, Lord, because when you're living in sin, you're not thinking about thank you, Lord. You're thinking about how you can thank yourself. Yeah, y'all didn't hear me. 
the potter making is making you for his purpose, for his glory. Jesus points out to us that he says for us to be like him. The problem is us want to be more like us. Mm. When you're like Christ, you like what Christ likes. When you want to be like yourself, you like what you like. Can I give you an example? You have a meeting. You know you when you have your meetings with your friends and you tell them what you want to do, right? Because it's your idea. Is that's what you like. And they say their idea, and that's not what your idea, and that's not what you like. So you, what you do? You argue, you fight. No, I want to go this way. I want to go this way. Well, you're wrong. I'm right. That's what we do with Christ. Christ says, hey, I tell you to bless, not curse. But they got on my last words. I'm right to tell them about themselves. But Jesus says, no, I told you to bless and curse. Now, but they ain't going to curse at me. Get away. I ain't no punk. I ain't no sissy. You can't get up in my face and act like this. And Jesus says, i telling you to turn the other cheek. They're not going to hit my other cheek. Uh-uh. They that first cheek. That's enough. You see how we can justify our evil deeds because it's what we like. And so we like ourselves so much we want to be like us. And do the things we like while Christ is saying, forget about yourself. He says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. How often? Daily. Can I throw this in for free? Did you die today? Daily, you need to kill yourself. All right, get back to our current message at hand. We need to realize that he's making us and forming us to be like him, not for us to be like us. And so we see he is giving us opportunities saying, look, I see the road you're going. You're looking good right now. You're looking like a great kingdom, a great nation. Things are looking good, but I'm about to uproot. I'm about to, to destroy you. Look, look, Jeremiah is calling out to Judah, primarily to Jerusalem, the capital city. It's telling them you're headed to destruction. Repent and God will bless you. On the flip side, he points out the other way. He says, or another moment I might speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good which I have promised to bless it. So now then speak to the men of Judah against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. Oh, turn back each of you from his what? Evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. Do you see that there? He's saying, look here, I am fashioning a calamity. Y'all see that? Woo! Do you know the fear of God? Mm-mm. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. What does the Lord require? That you fear him, you love him, and obey his commands. What does the Lord require? That you fear, that you live just, and you act righteously. <laughs> fear the Lord. Cast this, cast this. If you don't fear the Lord, then you don't fear his wrath. You don't want to be on the side of God's wrath. David point out, Lord, do not remove your spirit. From me. David understood, Lord, I've sinned and I do not want to face your wrath. I do not want you to turn your face from me and I see your backside. Come on, somebody. I want to be in your face. That's why David penned and says, Lord, I heard you say, seek your face. Lord, your face uh, I do seek. David understood, Lord, I want to be in your presence. God is saying, look here, people. I can, I can bless a wicked kingdom that repents and turns to good, but also a good kingdom that leaves me disobeys me, 
I will curse them. Y'all see that? What I'm trying to point out, just because your life is good right now, does not mean God does not see the evil you are doing. Watch out somebody. Do you understand how some people's lives look good and feel good, but they have not checked themselves lately? They walk around like their stuff don't stink. They're walking around how, how God has favored me. We sing that song, God's favored me. And we, we, we can speak Bible. We can talk to Bible. We, we got perfect attendance at the church, but we've got a hellish life when we go home. And, and, and the sad thing is some of us are, 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 are just are good maybe five days out of the week. And so we say, well, the God will overlook those two days. No, he won't. God will judge us. Are you willing to repent? I, I, I want to drive this home because repent should be a mention in every day of our lives. I, I'll say it again. Some of us get caught up with it. it says, I have nothing to repent because I've already accepted Jesus Christ. I, I, I want to give you some note and help you understand. My Jesus said this. Daily I need to deny myself and pick up my cross. And follow him. That means daily I got some things I need to repent about. Mm, mm. Every day I have to make up my mind and say, Lord, it's not about me, but it's totally all about you. And, and can, I, can I help you out a little bit? Some of those hardest days for you is when it's on your birthday. You wake up on your birthday and say, it's all about me. They're going to buy me gifts today. They're going to take me out today. They're going to do all this for me today. But you need to remind yourself, it's not even about me on my birthday. But God, is all about you. We, 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 we wake our gift list out, right? We tell them, like, hey, this is what you get for me on my birthday. But we don't even make a gift list for God. Say, so God, I give myself to you today. Come on, somebody. We need to realize that, Lord, daily I need to deny myself and turn to you. Because look here, God can either bless you, he can also curse you. They understood this. They understood this. So there's a call for repentance. See, the clay, the clay is in the potter's hand. See, when we subject ourselves to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as our Lord, then we subject ourselves to his will. And when you're in his will, you have been subjected to be thrown in the clay's will. <laughs> so you have to put up with him spinning you around and mashing you down just to build you up. Come on, somebody. Y'all understand the clay? When the clay gets in there, everything starts out as a lump. And they got to either push it down and make it into a plate. They got to push it down and mold it back up and more to make it to a jar or to a vase or to a, whatever they're going to make it. They have to do that. And then sometimes as they're working on that clay, they got to smooth it out and get some of the rough edges out. And, and sometimes they get some sticks to help put some ridges in there to, to help it out, to supple it. And then once it gets done with the clay... And they molding it on the wheel. After they get done throwing it and shaping it to the position, to the form they want it to be, then they place it on something kind of leathery cloth for it to dry out just a little bit. Just a little bit to almost a, to a leathery dry, it says. And, and then they start shaving it. They start shaving and realize the final touch and say, you're not all the way done yet. 
I still got to work on. You see, some of y'all, have, when y'all first came to Christ and he formed you and he prepares you for what you want to be, you thought you made it. But God said, I'm not done with you yet. Sometimes they got to shave it on the base just to make sure the base is level so that it can stand. Some of us are like the parable Jesus pointed about, how we are so shallow. We come to church. We get a little bit of the word. We walk out on Monday. It gets so rough, we forget about what God said. Some of us sit down and pray in the morning, and as soon as we walk out of our house, we forget we even talk to God. And that's why God is saying that's why he has to sometimes continue to shave us and give us a good, solid base so that we can stand and not rock and not wobble. Don't you hate when you get something, you put it down, it wobbles? It's not sturdy because you don't know if it's going to spill. you got to keep your hand on it. It's just so much work. And God said, I want you to be able to stand. How do we know this? He says, stand. Therefore, in the power of your might, in the power of God's and his might, put on the whole armor of God. God tells you to stand and be still and know that I am God. All I'm trying to point out, that God established you and built you up so that you can. See, see, when you are in the potter's hand and you're in his will the clay is being shaped and molded able to able to to accept and deal with whatever may come and then once it gets done shaping the clay and, and it has it to its desired formation then there, some of the salt comes out and they call that the scum part they remove that they wipe that off so they can either paint it or then they can glaze it if they want to paint it then they'll they'll paint it with the colors, and then they want to glaze it. Then to glaze it, they have to dip it. They have to dip it. And cast this, cast this. They don't dip everything. They just dip enough and leave the base undipped. Because if the base is dipped and everything is dipped, when they put it in the kiln to be baked, then it's going to be there for life. Y'all cast this in a minute. So they just dip a portion of it. And when it comes out of that that glaze, it doesn't look like it's going to be, but it has been dipped. Y'all didn't cast that, did y'all? It does not look what it's going to be, but it has been dipped. We don't know what we're going to be like, but one day we all will be changed to be like him. Y'all with me here? And so it's dipped in the glaze and it's prepped and prepared to go into the fire. When it gets into the fire, some suggest that it goes up between 17, 1,700 degrees Fahrenheit to 2,100 degrees Fahrenheit. Tell somebody, that's hot. And they put it in there to, to cook the pottery. But yet, what is all has been done beforehand has prepared it to make it through the fire. You see... God will not ever place you into a position that he know he can't bring you out. So if the potter puts you there, guess what? He can take you out. If he put them in Egypt, guess what? He can bring them out. If Sarah, Meshach, and Abednego go in the fiery furnace, guess what? He can bring them out. Daniel went down into the lion's den. Guess what? God brought him out. Can I bring this all the way back to the New Testament? Jesus went down in the grave, but God. Oh, do you see? 
God can bring us out. So as the clay is being shaped and formed, God puts us into the fire. And, and we're glazed just enough so that we can be baked into the fire. And we're not left in there too long that we break and become brittle. But we're in there till we reach completion or better yet, perfection. And when we come out of the other, we realize, I told you, the base, the base is not glazed. Why is that? So it will not stick in the other because God will not keep you in the fire. Y'all didn't, y'all, y'all, y'all said they got to say about that. He will not keep you in the fire. We sing the storm is passing over. We talking about I have some good at bad. We're pointing out that through the rough stuffs, I, br- I was able to make it. He brought me out. He delivered me. I was sinking what? Deep in sin, far from the peaceful soul. But yet my Savior heard my desperate cry and he saved me. We realize that whatever we're going through, we're not so messed up that we're going to be stuck in that situation. So when we allow the master to deal with it, he gives us just enough to make it out. Come on, somebody. And so we see here how at the potter's house, Jeremiah was able to observe this. And then, and then we see in verse 5, when the word of God came to him. I want you to observe your life. Do you see how God is shaping you? Do you see how you might have been thrown on the wheel? And, and yes, it's against your will, but you're in his will. And you might have to confess those words as Christ showed us how to humbly come to say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. And once you get on his will, you say, Lord, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. And he starts shaping you and forming you, maybe for a glorious purpose or maybe for a more common purpose, but still it's for his purpose. And when God is forming you, then he might also design you with a very unique pattern. It might paint you another color or design you put made by, sometimes it says many times they're put down made by so-and-so. And God definitely will put a seal that you're made by him. Come on, somebody. The song says, I didn't do no writing, but my name is signed. Aren't you so glad that God marked you? He signed your name in the book that nobody can take out. That my name is in the Lamb's book of life. And he says that we'll have a new name over in glory. We're going to be changed. You see here how God, when he's shaping you and forming you, he marks you. I want you to grab something about this mark because we hear about the mark of the enemy. You don't want to be caught with that. But when you call by the Lord, he says you are sealed. Until the day of redemption. Come on, somebody. Why are you sealed until the day of redemption? Because he that has begun a good work will complete it until the coming of Christ. And so he has formed you. He has shaped you. He has marked you and says you are his own. And now he's prepared you to go through the fire. Again, when you go through the glaze, you're not what you're going to be. And Cass says you're not even fully glazed. You're just partially glazed. And you know when you glaze a pot and it goes in, it comes out shining. But you, have not com- you don't have a complete sheen because the vice is not covered. We will not be completely whole 
until Christ comes back. And so we have to wait until he comes for us to be completely, completely made to be like him. But in the meantime, can somebody say in the meantime? You need to stay in his will. Because I can't tell you when you're going to go into the fire. Only he knows when he'll put you there. But he won't put you there until you're ready to go through the fire. And all you need to realize is that if God is for us, who can be against us? And so all you have to do is realize, though the world may come up against me, I, I see young kids dying in the streets. I see earthquakes happening, parking decks collapsing, hurricanes coming forward, tornadoes destroying. But yet my God is still God. And since he is still God, he told me he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Now I want to drop this pen real quick. It does not mean every day is going to be a day you want. Come on, somebody. But it is the day the Lord has made. And we shall rejoice and be glad. And come on, point out, because when you wake up with a temperature, that's not the day you want to. Come on, somebody. When you woke up and had back, back, back pains, that was the day you want. Come on, somebody. When you woke up, you got out the bed, and you stubbed your toe. That wasn't how you wanted to start your day. But I'm trying to point out, no matter what you're going through, it's not bigger, it's not greater than our God who has you up in his hands and say, I know. My plans for you, plans of prosperity, not of destruction. So are you in his will? I want you to look at your life. I want you to look at your life. Say, is my marriage in his will? Are my children in his will? Are my finances in his will? Is my spare time in his will? Is my nighttime, come on somebody, in his will? Is my private time in his will? What I want to point out, that none of the time is your time. All the time needs to be redeemed to the day of righteousness because our Lord has made us for his glory, not our own. So if you need some help, go ahead and nudge your neighbor. Tell him, go on, get in his will. Go ahead and nudge him. Go ahead and nudge him. Go on and get on in his will. Go on and get in his will. Just get on in it. Because once you get in, God will shape you and mold you. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm going to leave you alone with this. You can't become pure gold till you go through the fire. So go ahead and get on in. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Father, we come to you right now, God, thanking you that you place us in your will.